This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 28 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, presented by Equestrian Life. Exclusive coverage of the world of dressage. We would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life. They can be found at equestrianlife.com and Kentucky Performance Products. They are online at kppusa.com. Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Lisa Wilcox, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, presented by Equestrian Life. Well, hi, Lisa. Before we get into our show this week, we're just going to take a short break here. We have a special announcement uh, from Glenn, who uh, was in conversation with Kim Brown, who's the editor of TheHorse.com and the publishers over there in uh, Kentucky, and they have joined the Horse Radio Network family. So uh, let's just take a short break to listen to that announcement, and we'll be right back. This is Glenn Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am on here with Kim Brown, who is the publisher of thehorse.com. Hi, Kim. How are you doing today, Glenn? Good, and we are here to jointly make an announcement that we're both very excited about. That's right, Glenn. Well, you have, uh, uh, we have been talking for the last couple of months, actually, and we're very excited to announce that thehorse.com, as of this week, is beginning to carry all of the Horse Radio Network uh, shows right on your website. That's right, and we're really excited to bring these entertaining educational audio podcasts to the horse.com users. It's not something we've had before available, and these are such quality products, we felt like we had to go on and get them started for our users. Well, that's great, and you, you have them all on the homepage there, which is pretty cool, and you're, you're carrying all five shows, and we're just very excited to be part of the horse. The horse has been around for a long time, right? You're part of the whole blood horse family. That's right. The horse has been around for about 16 years. Um, it started as a small publication newsletter, and then we purchased it um, back in 1994 and have turned it into the place to go for horse people to get education. And, you know, you've been known for, the horse has always been known for, my wife checks it every morning, um, but has always been known for horse health topics. Why is it, we don't do a lot on horse health, obviously, with the shows that we have currently. Why is it that you wanted to pick up the shows and so that people could actually listen to them on your website? Well, Glenn, we have focused on horse health and we're going to stay on the focus of horse health but all of our users have said look we love coming to the horse.com we love looking up all this great information it's like our library that we can go to but we trust you all we want to stay here and do other things so we had started launching blogs and some other things where people could interact with us more and the podcast just seemed a natural extension you know with the the news tips that you have and uh, the stable scoop, especially with the World Equestrian Games coming up that we have followed quite a bit from thehorse.com. So our users have pretty much said, hey, we we want some more things uh, that we can interact with you about. And that's one of the things we're doing with the podcast is that the users can get on and they actually are set up so that not only can they download them uh, like they can from your site, but they can also comment on them right there on the blog. 
Well, that is one of the neat things, is they can come in and actually develop discussions around them right here. And I think that's one of the exciting things. And I have to compliment you and uh, your geeks. You did a great job setting up the pages. They're very nicely done. Well, thank you very much. We have some great people here. Kim and Chad worked very hard to get uh, to get these pages, uh, the templates set up and make them very friendly and usable. If you've never been on a podcast before, I think it's going to be really easy to click and listen or download it right to your iPod or your phone and take it with you so that if you're out in the stable cleaning stalls or hauling buckets of water that you, or even driving to and from uh, the stable, you'll have some great entertaining and educational podcasts to listen to. Well, that's great, and we do appreciate it. We thank you very much uh, for, for, for putting the shows up there. It's, it's very exciting to we, – we have a large listener base uh, to begin with, but it's very exciting. We know that this is just going to enhance it. There's a lot of people that have not heard about our shows, and, and through your website – and, and that's one of the cool things about the horse.com that's different than other websites is you're not discipline specific. You're not, you're not English or Western specific. You really hit everybody, don't you? That's right. I mean, we, we keep a pretty close tab on who's on our site, and we have over 200,000 unique users every month coming to the site, wow. and it's growing between three and 7,000 people who register every month to come in and read the articles and get our newsletters and watch our videos. We have long-form videos and short-form videos. We have PDF download fact sheets on, on all types of topics, and you know, we've got men and women and pretty much any discipline, any horse breed that you can think of, because we all are about the horse. I mean, that's what's passionate to all of us who are on here. And that's one of the great things we like about the podcast is that you bring a lot of people who, you know, love the horses. You take them that one step deeper. If I'm into dressage or if I'm into eventing or if I'm interested in the world equestrian games, that just gets us one step deeper into that relationship. And we we think that's wonderful here at thehorse.com. You know, we've actually, in recent months, because now we've been around long enough, we've been doing this for over a year, we have have over 200 and I think it's 80 now episodes of the different shows out there. And people are starting now, we have the shakers and the movers and shakers in the industry are now starting to contact us because there's one thing radio can do that, that uh, I'm not picking on print here. I'm just, it's a, it's a difference is that they can actually come on a show and express the point they want to express and people get to hear it in their voice. It's, it's one thing of reading a quote, you know, that's, that's quoted, but sometimes, you know, the, the players, if they want to get their point out, they really want people to hear it in their voice with their inflection, with their passion, you know? And that's absolutely correct. And again, a video, audio, all those new media modes that as horse people were sometimes a little slow to adopt, but we think the podcasts, um, We'll follow right along with the the video population explosion that we've had. People just really love to be able to see and hear and touch and feel like they're part of that relationship. Well, that's great. Well, we do appreciate it, and we're looking forward to working with you here going forward. I know we're going to be working a little bit together on the uh, World Equestrian Games. Of course, we do the 2010 radio show, and you guys are, are, are developing quite a section on your website for the games, and we're both here in Lexington. So we're hoping to work with you closer on that as well. And before we go here, Kim, I also wanted to mention that everything pretty much on your site is free. You, you have to register, but that's free as well, right? 
That's right. It's a quick registration process. We want to make sure that uh, we have real live people that are coming to the site so that we can develop a relationship with them. But once they register, they can go on, they can sign up for newsletters, they can get onto the videos, they can get onto the podcast, they can listen to anything with just that one registration. Okay, great. We invite everyone to come over to thehorse.com and hear the radio shows and see what else we have to offer and you know, make a comment on the shows and, and tell us what you think and what we can do more on this. But we're, we're really looking forward to this. All right. Thanks a lot, Kim. Thank you, Glenn. Well, Lisa, hi, and how are you doing? How's, how's it down in sunny Florida? Is it getting warm enough for you down there? It's getting warmer again. We had a little bit of a cold snap, and don't you know, we were rushing for those big, thick blankets. Uh, we were down in the 40s, low 50s, high 40s, and, of course, everybody's shivering and has goosebumps, and I had my turtleneck and my sweater on <laughs> in Florida. But, uh, yeah, we thin-blooded individuals. But uh, we have survived. We're back up in the 70s in the evening and crawl back up into the 80s during the day, so... Nice and balmy. Oh, again. good. They're not too painful then. Not too painful. Well, if you could t- keep the temperature survived. up a little bit, I'm g- yeah, I'm going to be down there next week. So actually, I'll catch up with you. I'll see you next week down there. Oh, fab. Uh, yeah, fab. for the um, USCT succeed USCT uh, gala fundraising event. Excellent. Yeah. Look forward Excellent. to that. Look forward to seeing you. Yeah, you too. Well, before uh, before we get to that, Lisa, we, we've got a really good show. There are lots of content this week on the show, and we're going to be hearing from a couple who are the National Party de Champions. That's Ruth Soren and Susan Saylor, and I caught up with them earlier this week and had a great conversation with them. They uh, shared with us the secret of their success, so looking forward to uh, sharing that with you shortly. And and you and I are going to carry on our conversation from a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to talk about the independent seat and the importance of developing an independent seat. So uh, looking forward to that conversation too. Uh, but before we get to that, at least you know there's quite a bit of news this week, um, all out of Europe, I might add, not yeah. surprisingly. Um, yeah. And the top story has to be that the FEI announced this week that the uh, Bureau has passed a resolution which is going to delay the implementation of its new progressive list, which is part of the equine prohibited substance list and the accompanying equine anti-doping and controlled medications regulations uh, that was uh, introduced at the FEI General Assembly in Copenhagen, Denmark, just a couple of weeks ago. And they are... Uh, they had received so much feedback and and differences of opinion. There was quite an international debate going on, largely over the Internet, and uh, letters were flying around the world. And so I, the FEI have uh, just taken a, a deep breath and uh, and reviewed the effects of that and the, and, the re- and the reaction that they've had to that announcement that they made. And they're deferring the implementation till April the 5th of next year. And uh, that was in in order to uh, allow for much broader debate and consultation on this policy change, which which clearly has stirred up quite a considerable debate. You know, even websites have been uh, created uh, to... to, uh, to, uh, um, generate, um, you know, a lot of a referendum, basically, um, for pe- people who have been voting um, against this change, and that, that is to introduce a small number of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs 
<clears throat> into that uh, program. It's called the Progressive List. I think there's about five, isn't there, Lisa? And, uh, yes. You know, we have different... I mean, you, you having been based in Europe for some time, you'll know that there's a very different culture there to the, what there is here, and we have different rules over here. So yeah. it, it's probably of no surprise to you at all that this has caused the stir that it has. They're having a hard time after coming out of a zero-tolerance basis to tolerating anything at all. But uh, I think that the, it's a double-edged sword. It really is. There's the side of me that says, yes, is this healthy for the horses? One gram of butte, anti-inflammatory. Lord knows we as athletes need our aspirin, take our Advil. When we have a lot of lactic acid buildup from working hard or going to the gym and doing things and lifting weights, and of course your muscles get sore. And this is something that we can help take out the inflammation, and the horses are therefore, I think, as, as athletes put in a position not to mask anything, but to help them be better athletes. Has nothing to, I think with a gram of butte, we are not going to be masking major lamenesses. And uh, I think the biggest debate is going to be, now how are we going to, the testing for this has to be very well uh, designed because that one gram of butte could turn into two grams of butte. And then now you have another, you know, then things start to redefine themselves. And that's where we start to get into a little trouble. And of course, this is again, the argument, have we then done our sport a justice or are we now looking not very legitimate as a sport. And that's, I think, what the biggest worry is. So, yes, I am for the comfort of the horses. No, I don't want to mask lamenesses. But, again, we're working with professionals. We're working very closely with our veterinarians. And um, no one wants to cross that boundary. Now, it's that boundary. It's that gray area. And those labs are going to have to be very well defined in order to get through this mess. I personally would have thought that they would uh, delay that regulation until after the World Equestrian Games because I know a lot of nations are oh, very stubborn about it and it would give them a year to practice or to consider how they would regulate that through laboratory controls. So, yes. Yeah, difficult. Yes, it is. It is a difficult one. And I, and I think we should point out to our listeners, you know, that it, it's largely because of the differences between Europe and the U.S. in terms of national regulations. Yes. Well, we have, obviously, we are allowed this nationally, and they are absolutely not. Quite. So I think yeah. that's that's the if you will, the pivotal point of discussion, um, that there are differing national regulations. And, of course, the FEI is an international organization and, uh, and would, you know, would, you know it's, it's a very difficult position for everybody to, to be in. And there are so many differences of opinion. Um, that, you know, and I've talked to many people. I've talked to, to vets, to journalists, to riders, to trainers, to owners in the past couple of weeks since this came about. And, and everyone has an opinion, and they're, you know, they they fall on either side of the fence, and very much like you, Lisa, you know, yeah. that, uh, 
you know, at the end of the day, we need to maintain the integrity of the sport and not undermine it. And 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 especially in the light of the wonderful work that the FEI has done with the with the um, uh, clean sport. Uh, campaign and those recommendations, apart from this progressive list, those recommendations were approved from, that came out of the of those uh, um, investigations that, that took place since the Hong Kong Olympics. So, uh, you know, so much good work has been done that it's a it's a great shame that that this issue, this progressive list that's been introduced, has uh, overshadowed all the good work. So. It's something we'll be keeping a very close eye on and uh, bringing you updates each week here on the show. Well, more news out of um, uh, Europe this week. And Tinica Bartles, you know, had a, had a fall, Lisa, and uh, fractured her vertebrae. I don't know if you heard about that. She fell off a youngster. I sure did. And I, and I then, the part where she fell off a youngster, there was a part about a telephone and a gate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I want to twist her little neck because none of my riders are ever allowed to have a phone on them. But uh, I, I know she was something spooked her. Yes, I, I think believe. she was push, and, pushing the button of, of an automatic gate, and the horse spooked and uh, and jumped around and maybe that the, was it. Pushing the buttons yeah. on the gate. I'm thinking a telephone. Okay, oh, right. sorry, Tinica. <laughs> but you should have a clicker in your hand. But, uh, yeah, I always worry about these young horses and that type of situation. Scary. I'm yeah. just glad she's going to be fine, though. She'll be I fine. Think so. I think so, yes. She, yeah, she, she's had lots of x-rays, lots of tests, and she's going to be uh, on her feet for, for a while, but uh, she'll, be, she'll be okay. She's walking wounded. So uh, we wish her uh, a speedy recovery, Jenica. I don't I'll know send her a clicker to her gate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It'll push a button in your pocket. Okay. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we also had some news from Stockholm from a World Cup qualifier last weekend. Uh, Adeline Cornelinson won that qualifier with Parsifal with a score of 83.85%. A good win there for, for uh, Adeline. She took advantage of some of the other Dutch riders staying at home, Lisa. Yeah, and fabulous. Good for her. I cannot wait to see this pair live. I am yes. such a fan of the two, and I hear such great things about their uh, just basically classical style and um, and the harmony between the two. And she, yes. I know she talked about her Grand Prix being a little difficult, and it was a little spooky with all the flashing of the you know the the cameras and everything but it seems like he settled right in that's a chunky monkey 83.85 love those numbers yes absolutely got to get up there in the mid 80s for for people to really pay attention now to the leaderboard and um and i personally also yeah go ahead go ahead you mentioned no go ahead lisa i i get a kick out of parcel because i have passionel who is also a jazz same age and uh when I see that success, that success, I imagine myself there one day. There you go. Inspiration. Yeah. Yes. Well, we should men- mention that uh, Germany's Matthias Alexander Ruff finished second on Trivia 2 with a score of 73.45, and he was followed by Sweden's Minotelde on Don Charlie, who uh, completed on 73.60. And in the Grand Prix, Adeline won that, but with um, a score of 75.53, so she was clearly warming up in the Grand Prix there, Lisa. 
Yes, and that's that's what I could tell from the judges. They said they weren't quite themselves, and uh, she had mentioned that Parseval was obviously having a little bit of a difficulty there in that indoor, which they do. It's some horses. I know that Relevant always had problems indoor. He he just would indoors would were very big for him, and he'd become very small and introverted. And I would have to get him to come out of his little shell inside these things. And Stuttgart was an, an exceptional challenge for us. But he did. He came around. And always my first test was a little, I think, like she had with Parsifal. And, uh, but with a 75-5, uh, who's complaining, huh? I, I, I look I at that score still and I keep thinking, that's still good. <laughs> that's still good. <laughs> well, I can't imagine Relevant ever being small. All I see is this huge front when I think of him. <laughs> well, you think of all this neck, but still, it would see, and thank God you never saw it. But inside, I could just, I am up there going, smile and wave, come on, come on, quit holding your breath. And uh, I think the biggest, the most difficult arena, now this has been being outdoors again, was uh, Hickstead for us. Because the, it just felt like the spectators sat on our laps. And yes, I don't know if yes, you remember, that no, just getting around yeah. the arena, one rider yeah. would have to go out and go one way, and the other rider would go the other. There was no way of passing each other. You know, but isn't that typical of, of that small island over there? They just, they just don't have room. The roads are narrow. The dressage arenas are <laughs> Hello. Crowded. It was all one-ways. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I went in right after Ola. I was like, okay, so who's going to give here? No, Ola came in after me. So, of course, I backed up. <laughs> I went the wrong way, of course. But uh, anyway, I'll just never forget thinking, oh, come on, really little bigger here, come out, and it was just trying to get a turtle to take, you know, his head out of a shell. Yes. But we managed, we managed. It wasn't bad. It was another one of those things where I think with her horse as well, with a 75.5, I'm not necessarily thinking it's, ne- it's obvious, but these judges know her, and they've seen her on her best day. And so they can they can probably see the tension, but I think that uh, yes. she probably packages it quite well and knows him very well, so she can kind of maneuver her way through all that. Quite, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We should yeah. also give a shout-out for Susan Dutter, one of your neighbors down there. She was over in uh, Sweden, too. She finished a little bit further down the order with a Manette DC on a 63.06, but uh, always good experience to be exposed to the, those European judges, Lisa. Lord knows, know those scores. Was out there with Naomi way back when, a few years ago when I was trying to qualify for the for Hong Kong. And those are the numbers you bat around for a while especially as a newbie over there, and a combination. But that's a lovely little gray mare that she has, so it's just a matter of time. Yes. Well, good for her. Well, one of the one of the biggest, most popular competitions now that's really hit the, the global scene is the Equus, Equus um, World Dressage Masters. Uh, that's becoming quite uh, the purse to chase. It's the richest lineup of uh, competitions, each with a prize of almost $150,000 in prize money. And they've just announced their schedule for next year, Lisa. And that's going to be Palm Beach, uh, Florida, February 4th to the 6th, and in Munich, Germany from May 13th through 16th. 
and then to Hickstead, one of your favourite uh, venues there, July 29th to August 1st. Uh, so a, a huge prize money being being offered there in the, for those uh, WDM Rider Ranking Awards of, of, of an additional 37,000 US dollars um, that will be offered in, in Munich. Um, it, it really is quite uh, the showcase of, of uh, the sport now, isn't it, outside the other uh, major competitions? It- this is fabulous that we are finally getting these types of show circuits going in dressage. Uh, I think that also we, this is something that also draws spectators. When they see this kind of money, wow, what's behind all that? And to be honest, that February Masters here in Wellington, that is the show to be at. We've got, we've got Edward Gall coming with Totalist. We've, we've invited some of those top European riders, and and Wellington is becoming an, 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 an intense international center for these uh, this this uh, through this circuit. And uh, thank God, we need that exposure, and we need those top riders to show America what this is really all about. And uh, I'll be on the sidelines, boy, when that totalist goes around. I want to see this live. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm riding too, but make me far away from totalist so I can see that. (laughs) So I'm either way beginning or wherever. But I I get excited to see these guys come over and to be part of it, riding against them. It just makes the competition. Everybody rises to the occasion. It's exciting. Yes, yes, I think that's so true. And, and you know, it, it's great for the, the, that they are coming over here because, you know, so often in the past, we've had to go over to Europe to get that kind of exposure to, you know, and compete against these other riders, um, as you know so well yourself. So it's a great thing that they're feeling it's worthwhile getting on a plane and coming to Florida. And, you know, who can blame them going to Florida in February anyway? Exactly. We just call it something like the Sunshine Tour, just. Yes. In America. That's right. And, uh, you know, for that kind of money, my eyes are doing the dollar sign thing. But, uh, you know, and if you can travel and make it to that, that's fabulous. And you have those types of horses, that's awesome. I think that's very, very motivating for uh, the dressage scene. And I think that that's going to put us on a map. Absolutely. America. Well, you know, credit to, and you know, we have to shout, give a shout out to the sponsors there. It, it, although this uh, series was founded by Exquis, it's sponsored by Moreland Stables and Moreland Investments together with Nuremberger Versicherungs Group in uh, Germany. So uh, it takes, it takes a, you know, a, that kind of partnership and that kind, kind of initiative to, to bring us into, you know, those big dollars. Because, uh, as you say, the sport needs that kind of exposure. It, it attracts. Um, the media and it attracts the public and it, it's 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 only a good thing so uh, you know yeah. credit to them and uh, we'll look forward to that i'm i may just have to come back down in, in february to when the opportunity of seeing tortillas before the world equestrian games just to see uh how how he's shaping up and i think isn't stefan planning to ride ravel there too yes so that exactly Yes, so I and I, I think, think we'll I... get a couple other Dutch riders, and if not, uh, a couple German riders as well. We shall see. I had good. heard perhaps Ola Salzgeber. We shall see. Oh, that good, would be good, exciting. Good. exciting. Good. Well, I may yeah. just be booking my flight fairly soon for that. I would do that. 
Don't miss it. <laughs> all right, Lisa. Well, that's about all the news for this week. Uh, we're going to take a short break here before we come to our guest uh, uh, of the week. Uh, so stay tuned. It is fantastic to have our friends at Equestrian Life as the title sponsors for the Dressage Radio Show. If you have not been to Equestrian Life yet, you need to go. In addition to being the official social community for the Horse Radio Network, it is one of the fastest-growing horse communities on the Internet. It is truly the Facebook for horse people. The goal of EquestrianLife.com is to bring equestrians together and to provide them with the breadth and depth of information and tools they need to learn and connect with other horse lovers who share the same passion. EquestrianLife.com is a fun, inviting website that strives to provide its members with a world-class experience that fosters the expression of all the ways people enjoy their horses and the people who are part of the horse world. EquestrianLife.com's social media platform provides users with cutting-edge applications and tools, such as people in horse profiles, social Q&A, status updates, messaging, photo uploading, groups, comments, blogs, expert high-definition videos, directories, birthday reminders, alerts, messaging, and on and on and on, in addition to their partnership with the Horse Radio Network. This community is designed by horse people for horse people and is filled with educational and entertaining video and audio all about our horses. Ride on over to Equestrian Life today, sign up for free, and tell all of your friends. If you love horses, EquestrianLife.com is the place to be. to our sponsors Equestrian Life don't forget forget to visit them at equestrianlife.com well Lisa our guests this week um, are a really fun a pair of women from uh, um, Texas they are the national Parda de champions and that's Ruth Soren and Susan Saylor and they're going to tell us how they formed the partnership and uh, the uh, secrets of their success in becoming the national champion so uh, look forward to sharing the conversation i had with them just earlier this week well i'm joined now by ruth soren and her part of her partner susan sailor from texas welcome to the show to both of you thank you and S- susan I, I believe you both live pretty close together there in in texas tell us a little bit about uh, where you are in that part of the world well, we're sort of west of, of Houston, Texas, um, sort of in between Houston and Austin, Texas. Okay. And you both, li- you both live fairly close together, right? Yeah, about seven miles apart, as a matter of fact. So, so how did you all meet then and get involved in Parda de Dressage? Because you obviously have a wonderful partnership there, relationship, of, and, and as I said in my introduction, you are the national champions. But tell us a little bit about how it all started, Ruth. Well, um, I met Sue um, about 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, uh, she uh, moved into the area from California, and I'd moved here from New Jersey just a year or so before. And uh, we run events at our, at our facility, and Sue came and judged some of our um, schooling horse trials as a dressage judge. And we just got to know each other that way. Um, we both had a lot of interest in dressage. We'd see each other at some of the USDF shows, and um, we went to a musical freestyle clinic together uh, at the same time and got together one day and said, you know, we ought to we ride together. 
and uh, you know, kind of coach each other and maybe do some some you know musical freestyles together. And so we started writing on Mondays together and um, just had a, a really good time and cooked up this idea to do a pas de deux and you know, haven't haven't looked back. <laughs> Well, Susan, you've got quite a strong background, you know, where you've been training with Charles Comfy, obviously a very well-known trainer there. You've been training with him for quite some time now, so you obviously have a very strong background in the sport. Well, dressage is my favorite thing. Um, I grew up on a cattle ranch, so I started out riding western, but when I was teaching at Cal Poly Pomona, I met Charles DeCumphy and and it, and he just blew me away because I realized that I had a whole lot to learn. <laughs> well, tell us about the horses that you 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 partnered now with, and uh, are, they, are these two horses that you're each riding right now, Bram, Bramble Bush and uh, Amari? Are they the two that you've always had in partnership together? Uh, yes, it's uh, Cashmere is Sue's horse, and Bramble Bush is mine. Um, and we actually started riding together with uh, Bramble and Amory, but then she was injured. So Sue was bringing Cashmere along, and we started riding Bramble and Cashmere together, and that just seemed to be a, a perfect fit. They just really uh, worked very well together. And Cashmere was coming along. Uh, Bramble was sort of an old campaigner, and he sort of gave her a little confidence, and now she outshines him, and we have to work hard to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say was the the right ingredients for these two horses to be such a good fit in performing a pas de deux, uh, Susan? I think that the kind-heartedness of both horses just match. They're both lovers. And my Amarie, as fantastic as she was, was not into the partnership. She was a competitor. And Cashmere and Bramble are just lovers. They go side by side, and she watches him, and she was like a first-level horse. And we just put her in there, and she said, I'm going to keep up with him because I love him. And so she <laughs> just took right off. You know, she said, I'm going to keep up with him. And now, now they go back and forth competitive-wise. We do a lot of... Um, things you know our, our ride is a third level ride but we practice upper level movements like passage and pee off where we'll put one horse in front of the other and we'll pee off behind the horse in front then we'll move forward We're using that competitiveness to strengthen them to get the hindquarters more engaged and they love it and we love it yeah, so how big are they each how big is uh, Bramble uh, Ruth he is 16-2 and he's a Cleveland-based thoroughbred, so he's got a little drafty in him, so he's a, he's a big-bodied horse. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, he and Cashmere look so much alike. <laughs> she's so, a tricky, so the same, right? same, co same color, are they? Same color um, and very much the same size and length, and they just they, they look like bookends. Yeah, they fit, they fit together. <laughs> she's an ISR Olenberg. So she has a little thoroughbred, but, but Olenberg... Right, right. Well, take us back to when you first decided that you, that you were going to get into this part of the together, uh, and and how you started to formulate your program. Well, we knew that the horses when we were first started out. I had Amory and Ruth had Bramble, and they were third level, solid third level horses. 
And I was kind of in the L program, and I had to finish that. So Ruth went on and got her bronze medal, and then I got my bronze medal on Anne-Marie, and then she had a lameness issue, and we brought cashmere into the pot. And we just put them together, and um, Ruth had this fantastic flamingo music for the canter, and I was driving along one day listening to the Shrek music from the Shrek movie with uh, Boots, and I said, that's our trot movie music. And we did that one year. We did um, the Shrek Boots music and this beautiful flamenco canter music. And we had a very successful year where we said, what would it feel like to get a 70%? We got six of them. And it was like, yes. <laughs> and then, and then, then this last year, we, at, Ruth and I, you know, I'm in the L program, and so I get to go to these wonderful programs for continuing education for judges. And they had a musical freestyle one, and they said, well, what would you like to learn more about? And I obviously said, the pas to do. So I got all this information, and I said, Ruth, if we buy top hats and if we synchronize our fly changes – we'll get an 80%. And, of course, we went out there for a show, and we scored an 84.5%. It was like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about the training. When you guys actually, before you even, you know, as you're working on this at home, before you even get to a competition, there has to be not only a lot of your own individual training, but working together, I would imagine, um, to synchronize everything to perfection before you get in, into the competition arena. So how how much do you work together uh, or and how much do you work individually with your horses? We ride about two times a week together. And we um, we work as a pair a good share of the time that we ride together. Um, we take lessons sometimes as a pair. Um, and we also will go to a, a, a ring that's the size of the competition arena and practice and run through our choreography. So who does the, who designed the choreography for this? Because it's, it's hard enough to do choreography for a single freestyle. <laughs> uh, how, do, how did you combine the two that would work so well for both of the horses in, in those movements simultaneously? I think we do it as a team. We um, we have a coach and we have uh, each other, and we watch other um, good rides and we we just sort of pick and choose. Like for instance, right now we're working on this real interesting counter pirouette, where one of the horses is in the center doing an actual pirouette, and the other horse is actually doing more of a medium around the other horse and then we go out of it and the other horse drops to the outside and then the outside horse becomes the inside horse it's it's for the future but we work on different interesting things that we see or that we've tried at the trot and we bring them to the canter we just play with different um different movements and of course watching for instance the spanish riding school in their movements how they do things together in a quadrille we bring some of those one of our best movements is a shoulder in with me in front ruth behind me that goes from a shoulder in left to a shoulder in right right on the center line to the judge the judges love that 
Well, yes, I, you mentioned Spanish riding school and then there's um, the Andalusian school in, in Jerez in Spain. And they watching them, they're so well synchronized, aren't they, these quadrilles? Oh, beautiful. You, I, I guess that's very inspiring to see if they can do it with a number of horses, how you can do that with to just two of you. The other really good um, motivator for me was the Reiner Klimke ride where they had the 12 riders that were all Olympic-level riders who did the quadrille. I like watching that, and we can pick little things out of there and add it to our repertoire in our choreography as well. And we've seen, you know, wonderful partidors with with Gunter Gunter Seidel, of course, did a f- fabulous one at, at, um, at the World Cup uh, in Vegas earlier this year. Do do you did you do what they do, and do you get dressed up, or are you are you just in conventional uh, dressage habit for the um, and dress for these competitions, or, or is there a ch- an opportunity to to dress up? <laughs> We've done both, actually. We have um, uh, Houston Dressage Society puts on a, uh, a championship show every year, and they have a, a, a fun night where you can do your performance uh, in costume. And we have done that. We've we've had uh, uh, we've dressed up like um, Puss in Boots in uh, Shrek when we had the, the Shrek music, and then we uh, we changed our music, and it's more of a country western theme. And so we were dressed up in cowboy hats and and. Uh, uh, cowboy quote cowgirl dress for for another time, but um, at the regular shows we're in regular dress. We we you know we dress formally, but we enjoyed the dressing up for the for the as you please. Uh, <laughs> at well, you mentioned that you had a coach. When you coach, when when you're working with your coach, is that purely for the pas de deux, or is that just conventional dressage lessons for you know preparing a freestyle program? A uh, little bit of both. We um, one woman that comes out to uh, to our place has done a lot of the choreography work with us, but she also will pull us aside and and whip us into shape as far as our technical um, performance is concerned. She'll she'll work with us separately on that, and then put us back together and work on some different moves for the for the pas de deux. So um, I have to say a little bit of both. Well, as national champions, it, it, obviously you, you, you've set the, the standard for yourselves now with the scores that you've been reaching. So what, what's next for the pair of you? Where are you aiming to, to go next? Oh, I have, I have so many um, ideas. We, are, we would like to take Kashmir and Bramble, and, and I think a good goal would be three scores of 80% or higher. That was one goal. We also have two new horses, both Ruth and I, that um, I'm hoping that we can play with a little bit and maybe in a year or two come out with them, uh, another pair. So are there lots of opportunities for part of the competitions then in Texas? Well, we've been making them. <laughs> we, we call up the show secretary and say, could you add the pot de deux to your schedule? Could we please come to our pot de deux? And usually they're really um, enthusiastic about it because it's a crowd pleaser. People enjoy watching that. And we, we'd love to see some, some others join us. There are very few that do it in this area, but we're hoping to get some interest uh, sparked and you know, get some of the Pony Club kids to do it and some of the adults to do it because it's, it's really a lot of fun. And I think it teaches the horses as well as us a, an awful lot. Um, and as I said, I think it's a crowd pleaser. People enjoy watching a pot to do. 
Well, absolutely, and it popularizes the sport of dressage too. That's right. That's right. And and, and having been national, tell us about the, the the national championships that you attended, and and how you became national champions. Well, we just um, we started the year. We had a very exciting year, I should say. We started the year and went to our first show and scored that eighty-four point five percent. Two days later, my horse tore a little hole in her suspensory ligament going in a hole on the cross-country course. And so I didn't have a horse for part of the year. I had to rest her. Ruth was so generous, she loaned me Bramble. And I rode him at a clinic with Jane Savoy. And so we had to sort of make do with two other horses for a while. And then we came back and we said, you know, our goal was to be national champions. So we looked at the show schedule knowing that we needed to be conservative with my horse. And so we just went to two more shows to complete our fulfillment for being national champions. And instead of showing as much as we did the year before, we just kind of channeled our energy toward that national title. Uh, tell us about the competition itself, uh, Ruth. Uh, about being in a in a pas de deux, about being in the competition? In, in the national championship, when you became national champions. Um, well, we, we did that by getting a series of very good scores. Um, we were not uh, actually in an actual championship class, although I wish they would do that at, at oh, our show. That would shows. be wonderful. Yeah. Um, we we would love to see that happen. We'd like to see it grow to such a such a degree that they could do a a national class. But um, no, to to earn the national championship, we um, we we just accumulated some very good scores throughout the year. And, I see. Uh, uh, it was over a period together. of time. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh huh. And they compare and, that and, with everybody uh, in the nation. And so if anyone's listening who thinks this would be a lot of fun, they should uh, like to have a go themselves, how would you recommend that they start to, to look for, obviously, someone who's compatible, uh, not only as riders but with, with horses? What, what are the keys to a successful partnership? Well, I think that, um, that having an instructor who's good at semi-private or group lessons, which both Ruth and I, as as professional writing instructors, are very good at. And this idea of only having private lessons in dressage cuts you off, in a way, from having the experience of being side-by-side with another rider or riding along the wall on the other side of the arena, mirroring another rider. And that is what they do at the Spanish Riding School. That is how the young stallions grow into such fantastic older stallions by watching the older guys go around. Kashmir is twice the horse she was because she rode side by side next to the older schoolmaster, Bramble. She learned twice as fast to be a third-level horse as if I just had her by herself and worked on it. Um, and, and we don't know that here so much in America because normally our trainers ride by themselves on the schoolmasters and then we have one 
first level rider come in for a private lesson. And I think in Europe it's a lot better because you have several different riders in the arena at one time taking lessons, and the younger horse looks at the older horse, and the younger rider looks at the more advanced rider, and you get a better lesson that way. So I think if you can find a trainer who not only works with younger riders but with more advanced riders and who is willing to put you in the arena together with different levels, I think you get a better education that way. For me, I right now am working on a pas de deux with one of my students. He's an amateur and you know, his horse is first level, and when well, she's riding next to Kashmir. So he's advancing. He's doing half passes at the canter. He can't do a fly change yet, but he's working on some things that are reaching third level when really he's a first level rider, and he's going, wow, Sue, I can't believe I'm doing this, and it's great because he advances. So, you know, you really, I mean, a horse like Bramble, who's what, now 23, is, is a wonderful right. schoolmaster. How much, how, much, um, how much more has he got left in him, Ruth, at that age? Well, you know, he continues to surprise me. I had a lesson on him the other day, and I was joking um, with the trainer, and I said, you know, maybe by the time he's 30, we'll reach Grand Prix. <laughs> he just, you know, he just keeps getting, he's like fine wine. He just keeps getting better and better, and, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I don't push him super hard. I because I do want him to last as long as he can last. But, uh, you know, he just continues to surprise me, and he's a, he's a good poster child for, for longevity, for horses lasting for a long time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud that he's been as sound and, and as good as he's been through the years. Well, he really is an inspiration. But meanwhile, as you said, you've got two young horses waiting in the wings to take over the, that mantle and uh, no, no doubt, you know, have another run at becoming national champions. We'd, we'd love to do that. We certainly would. And if nothing else, the horses that were the new ones are coming that are coming along, I think will be better for just practicing together and working together like uh, like our, our this pair has. Yeah, it sounds like a wonder, wonderful arrangement that you have, and 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 congratulations to you both because you say it, it's not something that's uh, that has the kind of uh, widespread recognition, but it is always very entertaining to see part of it. And hopefully there'll be more competitions for you to uh, participate in. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, sharing the secrets of your success with us today, uh, Ruth and uh, Susan. We've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that was great, Elisa. You know, it just shows how, you know, two women, anybody can get together and, you know, find the the two horses that are compatible. And, uh, you know, I think it helps if they look similar. And clearly those two horses that they have, they look similar. They're the same sort of uh, size. And, uh, you know, they just go in step with one another. And we're going to be posting that uh, video that they talked about. They have a video clip of their uh, championship rides and we're going to put that up on our website at dressageradio.com so you can uh, all enjoy watching Ruth and uh, Suzanne and and hopefully we'll give some inspiration to people out there who uh, if you if you think that you could ever go at this I think it would be a fun way to do it Lisa you know maybe you know people that are not so experienced or pony clubbers that want to come out into the sport you know and uh, and look for other ways to enjoy it I think that's going to be a great great way to do it Absolutely, and uh, I think, you know, you can make, this could be 
you know, as we get to two horses that look similar, you could break that down. It could become a science almost, just perfecting your movements in a pair. When you think of uh, that synchronized swimming, as yes. a matter of fact, the hours yes. you put in, and uh, what fun. You have music, you have a bite, it's not boring, and uh, you put your hours in after work. And then come out and you and and to have the results that these guys have had, that's exceptional. Yeah, that's yeah. exceptional. I think you're absolutely great right. Fun. I think that's a great way, an enjoyable way yeah, to enjoy the sport. Yeah, great way to enjoy dressage. Great. Well, we're going to take another short break here, Lisa, before we get to uh, our topical discussion of the week. So uh, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break for our commercial. Don't forget your horse this holiday season, and what is more important than your horse's health? Kentucky Performance Products offers you the quality assurance that you are looking for for your horse. Each supplement is manufactured to exacting standards in certified facilities. Their ingredients are sourced from highly reputable suppliers, and their formulas are fixed to ensure consistency in each bucket. When you purchase a supplement from Kentucky Performance Products, you will see the results you expect and the quality you can count on. They guarantee it. Kentucky Performance Products has recently unveiled their newest product called Contribute. Unlike other omega-3 supplements, Contribute contains both plant and marine sources of omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids support virtually every system in the horse's body, including the immune system, reproductive system, nervous system, bone development, and the cardiovascular system. Contribute offers horse owners, breeders, and trainers an affordable way to provide beneficial omega-3 fatty acids. Is recommended for young horses, horses in training, stallions, broodmares, and seniors. Learn more and about Contribute and all the products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, Lisa, we talked last week, uh, last time you were on, we, we really got into the techniques and, and, and you and I, uh, I know how we, we share a lot of common uh, ground here when it comes to the basics of classical dressage so uh, yeah. we wanted just a little bit d- 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 to to build on that conversation we were having about the independent seat and the importance of developing an independent seat yeah. and someone was asking me the other day well what is an independent seat yeah well that's a good question isn't it I, I I think we should start there do you want to go ahead with that one good idea yes I will I'd love to you know, an independent seat is, you know, when, when I'm talking to riders, I say you carry your hands, the horse carries his head. We don't carry their heads. And in order to do that, you have to have balance, strength through your core, which is going to be one of the things I talk about in my training tip of the week, but Strength to your core to balance yourself independent of the reins. You know, look, Mom, no hands. Remember those days? You rode your bike down the street. Your mom was mortified. You finally (laughs) had balance not to use the handlebars. And uh, if there's one thing I try to, um, you know, my is the reins are not handlebars. And unfortunately, they become handlebars when we lack an independent seat. Rather than sitting up using our back muscles, stomach muscles, not necessarily thigh. My thigh is very loose. 
I don't want to close the back down, so I'm not vice gripping. I have a nice, relaxed, loose thigh that lies around the barrel, and otherwise I'm sitting up. My seat bones are in contact with the saddle because I'm sitting up, belly button leading, shoulders back, and in this posture, I have to be able to manipulate the rein without blocking the horse's movement forward. And when I say a half halt in forward, it isn't pulling back to have a horse do a downward transition. No. The horse maintains the length of neck. You squeeze your fist. He feels that barrier on the end. He feels that he's been definitely given a specific parameter. He yields to it. The fist relaxes in the moment that it feels him yielding. He maintains his length of neck, maintains his frame, and we will do a downward transition. So, and importantly, that you're not you're not using the horse to keep your balance. Basically, you're exactly. not using your range. You're not using the horse to keep your balance. Now, I don't know about you, Lisa, but way back when, when I was very young. We went through all kinds of exercises to develop an independent seat. And mm-hmm. some were more fun than others, but they were all hard work, but they all achieved the end result of developing a, a strong core and an mm-hmm. independent seat that no matter what the horse did, where, is, where he put his head, it didn't affect where you were. You always stayed over the center of balance. Correct. And I'm, and I remember, I don't know if you, did you go through Pony Club? I knew you grew up in the Midwest, yes. did you? Yes, I sure did. So I did, you know, we did the Pony Club thing. And then I, because uh, I grew up in England, I went through equitation school. And one of the things we used to do, we used to, in the indoor arena, we used to have what we called the yard ponies. There were a bunch of ponies that anybody could jump on. And it, <clears throat> and we'd do all kinds of exercises with them to develop, you know, to 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 teach us to be independent of them, you know, that, uh, mm-hmm. and we'd be riding them with our arms folded. We'd canter around an arena with our arms folded. We'd walk, we'd trot, we'd canter with our arms folded, and we just learned to use our body. And we'd and- often ride them with a head collar and reins attached to the head collar, so you were never interfering exactly, with them. Exactly, which the head collar meaning a halter, correct? Yes, correct. Yes. British and, translation. And- Thank you. I love it. (laughs) And the other thing we did, which was really neat, and at the time I thought it was crazy, but I can see the benefit of it, and and it really did help you develop an independent seat. We would have a line of six cavalettes on one side of the arena. This was all indoors, so, you know, if we got bucked off or we lost our balance, it didn't matter too much. And we would start with... Uh, the head collar and the reins on the head collar and and the saddle when so we there'd be a group of us maybe six or eight of us in the class in that lesson and we'd start by just trotting down the line of cavalettes and circling around and trotting down the line of cavalettes and now the first time we went down that line we had to pull one stirrup iron off at the leather at the top and then drop it um, and when we cleared the cavalettes, we'd then take, as we took it off, as we were going over the cavalettes, we'd take it off. Oh. And we'd drop it off all in a pile at the end. And then we'd come around again, and we had to take the other one off while we were down those, in the middle of those six cavalettes. 
wow. and drop that off. And then the next time we came round, we had to unhitch the unhook the, the girth, undo the girth. And then the next time we came round, we had to slide in front and pull the saddle out from behind us and drop it in the pile at the end. Wow. And so then, then we, if you were in the center of the saddle or center of the horse, yep, et cetera, yep, and had yep. your balance, the saddle stayed square. Exactly. Wow. And then we take the saddle off. And then the next time we came around, we came around with our arms folded as we went down that cavalletes, and we had to do that a few times. At bare this back, point, bare back. Bare with back, your hands just folded. With our arms folded. I and we that. would do this, and with ponies, they would get into a trot and then to a canter. And then, you know, ponies being ponies, as soon as they'd gone down up, up over the last cavalletes, they'd come back to a trot. So you'd have to kick them and come around again. <laughs> but that was wow. just an example of, of teaching us to be independent, that we never touched that pony's mouth. We never yeah. used it, him for balance, that we could do all these things. That you without could coordinate your body to do all these different things without losing your balance. Yes. And that's, and I'll tell you, the, the most, that's an amazing, I, we were basically bareback my, with our uh, quarter horse thoroughbreds. We rode very often bareback because my father was very adamant about not, having us hang up in a stirrup somewhere and we had lots of acreage and he wouldn't be around to free us and this, that, and the other and he'd rather the horses ran home and we came trotting behind. But, uh, so, but through these pony games and the bareback riding and barrel racing and running down and sticking a, you know, a stick in a bucket and then looking around the barrel and I've seen these are the, some of the fun games they have the, the pony games in Germany and the yes. kids have no saddles and yes. they're reaching and leaning and, and they're not touching the pony basically, they're just doing their well, they're participating that's exactly in right. this game and, that's right and, and that's what I do and not even realizing they're learning balance that's so exactly fun. right. Well, I have to say that before I did these at Equitation School, I'd already done a lot of pony club stuff and a lot of gymkhanas where we did that. You know, exactly. for, since I've been knee-high to a fetlock, we did gymkhana yeah. stuff, all those games where you were yeah. hanging off your pony and left and right and and <clears throat> sometimes leaning down at a full full tilt yeah. counter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd That's be going full movie. tilt and you'd be leaning off them, but you never lost your seat. You never lost your balance. Oh, you did fall and off sometimes. You learn courage, etc., etc. Et uh, these yeah. these kids learn courage. But bringing this back to the world of the amateurs and the people who start a little later, you know, they're this is going to be a little threatening and intimidating. But lunging, going yes. back to being lunged in the saddle and having good horses that you know allow a rider to feel the movement give a leg aid without holding on, sitting up there, being able to sit the trot, sit the canter, finding the strength to fit the, to, to, to uh, sit the swing of the back. That's an, you know, that's, that's all part yeah. of it. 
Yes, and I think you're yeah. right, and and I think importantly, and a lot of our, our our listeners are of that adult amateur group who have not had the benefit like you and I had of pony club and learning to do things on a pony, which is a lot easier to fall off and you know get and get back on again, and it is somewhat intimidating for them. I know a lot of people, uh, and I'm sure you do, have lots of people that have never ridden ever ever ridden bareback. No, and, exactly, and 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 wouldn't know what that feels like. But uh, I think our message to to everyone has to be that if you have the opportunity to get into a maybe a round pen, or an enclosed space, and get on the end of a lunge line and and feel what that's like to ride bareback and learn to be independent of any artificial aids or even a bridle or a saddle. It's a wonderful way to develop and strengthen your core mus- muscles and develop an independent seat. And that segues very nicely into your training tip of the week, doesn't it, Lisa? It sure does. It sure does. Couldn't agree with you more, though, Chris. Absolutely. And and my training tip would say this. You, my riders, go to a Pilates class twice, wonderful. three times a week. And they work on the core strength. You need to be elastic. They stretch. As a matter of fact, this Pilates instructor works directly out of Tooney Page's barn. So they're in the viewing area. Those riders either come from the saddle, go in there, and I say, we need this loosened up. We need this hip flexor loose. She needs to sit up. We need stronger, you know, left side. She's very weak over her left. da 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 and that Pilates instructor will take them and manipulate them for all these the specific areas where they're weak, building the whole, of course, but starting in the weakest of all areas. And that goes so hand in hand. And I'm telling you, one of my riders have been to the Pilates instructor and then come to me, it's night and day. Yes, uh, they I've all heard of a lot sudden, of they have a long leg. <laughs> The hip mm-hmm. flexor is more elastic. They're able to open their thighs, bring the leg back, relax, sit up. And uh, so my tip would be incorporate that in your training. It's no different than our horses getting chiropractic help, a massage, and then, of course, we as riders or professional trainers are physical therapists in my mind. We work the horses also through their less elastic areas by asking them to do more gymnastic in that particular direction, stretching, bending, flexing, this type of thing. So uh, definitely seek a Pilates instructor or yoga, but I have to say the balance of the Pilates with the riding, I have watched my riders gain immense amounts through focused work on their bodies to help them become more bilateral, therefore more balanced. That's very good advice. I know a lot of riders who do use Pilates, and uh, I think anything that we can do to strengthen our own um, physique only helps not only our riding but helps our horse so that we're not relying on them so much and, and using them in a way that actually hinders the way they go. Um, so I think that's that's a great tip. Pilates would be. You want to be a. Choice. You know what you want to be. You want to be the best dancing partner your horse ever had. Yes. That absolutely. means there'd be no stepping on toes. 
right. Well, I have another little tip, but I, I, I don't think many people are going to take up my, my tip. You know, another thing that we used to do, not only riding those ponies around, but we also had to go down those cavalettes um, and close our eyes. And we had to ride into small poles and tiny fences with a with a pole as a as a, a you know as a guide guideline, um, and we'd have to close our eyes and close and fold our arms and feel it, and feel and feel it. So any chance that you get, if you're in a safe environment, maybe in a round pen or something, you're on the lunge, take the opportunity, hold on to the mane and close your eyes and feel the horse underneath you. So whatever you do with that horse, and if you watch the vaulters, and I'm sure you have, Lisa, watch vaulters. Yes. They always know where their horse is. Yes, they do. They always know where their horse is. They're like ballerinas, the vaulters. They they absolutely are. And look at the core strength that they have. So uh, there's there's some tips from from Lisa and I this week. Gives you a lot to think about. And, uh, uh, you know, I hope hope you'll come back with your comments. And if any of you try these, uh, let us know how you get on. We always love to hear from you. Well, Lisa, we had uh, some nice comments uh, this week from a couple of listeners who wrote to us. One, uh, Elizabeth, actually, uh, it was very sweet. She uh, she had a question about um, showing in hand, and she wrote, she said, Dear Chris, Debbie, and Lisa, and a shout-out to Heather, of course, Heather Blitz, who was a co-host uh, back in the beginning of the show. And she says, thank you very much for producing terrific shows and how much she enjoys listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And she uh, has uh, a question about a young horse that she's bought. She wants to show him in hand. And uh, uh, she's trying to get uh, some off, uh, some help and guidance. And uh, Elizabeth, we, uh, we are going to try and get Scott Hassler on the show. Uh, Scott is an expert in showing uh, horses in hand in this country. I'm sure you will have heard of him. And uh, uh, I know he's he's a very very busy man to track down, but um, I'm in pursuit, and I will. Knowing uh, do my Chris, best. she'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we will, and uh, that will address um, some of the questions you have, Elizabeth, and hope we can help you there with showing in hand. And we also have a nice email from Betsy Betsy Labelle down in Florida. Um, she thoroughly enjoyed the show where we had Cassie Bartow on and. Uh, those of you who follow the Dressage Radio Show regularly know we had Cassie on just last week, and uh, she, uh, Betsy, obviously knows uh, the Bateau family and uh, thought that was um, a really nice uh, episode there last week and speaks very highly of Cassie. So, Cassie, if you're listening to the show, you have a big fan out there in Betsy. I'm sure she's not the only fan that you have, but um, it's nice to hear back from our listeners when they've uh, tuned in and uh, especially if they know these riders and know these people that we, we're relating to. So uh, thank you again for, for writing. Don't forget. Yeah. It is nice, isn't it, Lisa? And, uh, you know, and I've always said, you know, every week we tell everybody to send in their questions and comments, and uh, uh, <clears throat> I know you're going to uh, share those show notes with our listeners now, Lisa. Absolutely. You can, you can follow our show notes at uh, radio.com and send us your feedback as as you've heard we love to read these kinds of uh, emails it's encouraging it's fun to to see uh, everyone is so enthusiastic about the information you're receiving here and then uh, leave a voicemail at 270-803-0025 or emails any comments or questions for uh, Chris or myself at Chris at horseradio 
www.dressagenetworks.com. And then uh, the Dressage Radio Show has a fan page on Facebook, and there's a link to the page on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio at, and Chris at Chris E. Stafford. And we would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life and Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Chris, back to you. All right. Well, thanks, Lisa. Yep. Don't forget to keep those comments and questions coming. And if there's any topics that you'd like Lisa and I to discuss, um, just send them over to to us. We'll we'll take on anything, won't we, Lisa? We sure will. We sure will. (laughs) And if we don't know, we're going to find specialists. (laughs) We'll find someone who does. That's absolutely right. We we sure will. Well, thanks again, Lisa. And uh, as I said earlier in the show, I'm going to be heading down to Florida just next week to the Succeed USCT fundraising gala event that's taking place at the uh, Jim Brandon Arena in Wellington, Florida. Looking forward to that. I know that you're going to be there, so look forward to catching up with you too. I will be looking forward to seeing you, Chris. And in the meantime, thanks for listening and enjoy your riding. <laughs>